Hey, it's Sean Fennessy. We've got something special cooking on the Prestige TV podcast. I'll be recapping one of my favorite shows, HBO's Barry, every Sunday night with the writer, director, star of the show, the great Bill Hader. We'll talk about the show's wild twists and turns, its special brand of dark comedy, and how it all came together. So on Sunday nights, immediately after a new episode airs, you can hear Bill and I break it all down on the Prestige TV pod. Subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Draft Show. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I am joined by Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, and Craig Horlbeck. We're all jacked up a Mountain Dew. We <laughs> talked for four months about this being a bad draft, and it turns out that this was one of the most fun drafts I could ever remember. <laughs> Suspense is great. It's drama. I thought this was awesome. I don't know if I'm biased or not just because the Giants did really good, but I thought this yeah, was Yeah, you're incredible. like on cloud nine right now, aren't you? Cloud 10, Cloud 11. The Giants had two picks of clouds in the top seven clouds, and they crushed them. Uh, yeah, I gave you guys good grades. So I'm just to be totally transparent with our listeners who are probably listening on Friday morning or Friday afternoon or whatever. I am still just like, I have no idea what happened. I, I, I feel like I blacked out. I, I do the NFL draft grades for the for round one. So I had like my head down typing literally the entire time almost. I barely acknowledged what was happening. All these crazy trades were going through. I had to like write up each individual move and stuff. So obviously I know what happened, but like I'm still just trying to figure out like big picture stuff here. Like it's crazy. There was so much action tonight. Trades, multiple trades. DK, I think we texted after the 10th pick and we were like, it's pretty boring. <laughs> and, and then, then the 11th the pick fan. came and every yeah, yeah. all hell broke loose. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the thing is, we were texting, this is boring. And I was also complaining because people are, I'm like, people are going to hate me. I'm giving everybody A's. Everybody in the top 10 did a good job. <laughs> like, you could argue the Jags had the worst pick in the first round, in the first 10 picks. They it was did. The number one pick. <laughs> because everybody else just knocked it out of the fucking park in the first like 10 picks. And so I'm like, I can't, I just can't like make up reasons to give these teams bad grades. Well, I'm could you have just rejumbled all 10 picks, maybe save Trayvon Walker? Like, could you have just plopped yes. any of those top 10 guys anywhere and you would have given them a good grade? Yes. And Trayvon Walker would have been an A anywhere but one. The only reason I didn't give him an A at one is because he's a, literally the the number one pick and he has nine and a half career sacks. Like, that's just That's weird. only nine more than me. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be a good player. But career like, holder of a half risk. sack, apparently. I was going to say, he implied he had a half sack there. I thought we, yeah, I thought we, we said we don't those. do decimals here on this show. Yeah, we don't yeah, do decimals. PFF yeah, right. doesn't do that. Round up. 
Okay, well, we're burying the lead here, too. We got Solex sitting here quietly waiting. Yes, ready to explode. We're going to go through. We're going to give awards for all these picks. And we're starting with the only place to start, which is the Flipadelphia Award, which goes to the Philadelphia Eagles. So the Sixers advance in the NBA playoffs. And then 10 minutes later, they take Ben Solex's favorite player in the entire draft, Jordan Davis. And then, as if that wasn't enough, like 30 minutes later, they make the, the trade of the draft. They flip a first rounder for A.J. Brown, which basically is kind of like flipping what? Carson Wentz for A.J. Brown straight up. So I, 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 we could read the, the for those who want to do that, I'm shift to drinking game. Blockbuster trade, colon, Titans playing a trade, A.J. Brown of the Eagles, source tell ESPN. It was a true Schefter bomb. Solak, could this night have gone any better for the Philadelphia Eagles? (laughs) Genuinely answer that question. Within the realm of of like realistic outcomes, probably not. Like, 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 oh, like if Aiden Hutchinson, like whatever. No, in terms of like like things that legitimately could have happened, if you had asked me like best possible night, I would have been like, yeah, you know, uh, get Jordan Davis and trade for Debo Samuel. You know, this is get Jordan Davis, trade for AJ Brown, who, Probably is going to be cheaper than than Debo Samuel and is an unbelievable wide receiver. Um, the Jordan Davis pick is enormous because it allows you to move off of Fletcher Cox, who they were they did cut this year, and then they signed back on a one year deal. Pretend it gives you the ability to get that <laughs> that cap relief uh, in future years, where you don't have to keep extending Fletcher Cox. Jordan Davis is also a truly unique player. Like, oh, this guy's unique. This guy's special. No, no, no. He is a truly unique player. You do not get to draft 341 pounds running 4-7 every year. He doesn't exist. It's not real. It's fictitious. He's a figment of your imagination. So when he is there, you get him. And what he allows you to do is everything else that you want to do with the other 10 players on the field. When you want to live in too high, when you want to play the safeties at 18 yards of depth, which I'm not arguing that's like a great idea. Like John Gannon puts Ronnie McClown on the freaking moon. That's not like the best thing in the world, <laughs> but it's what they want to be defensively. So if Greg, you're going to evaluate the players, right? If you're going to evaluate the players within the structure and you're going to figure out who's good and who's not and figure out if the defensive structure works or not, you need this player. He is a legitimate keystone in the bridge. You need the two-gapping defensive tackle. And they found Titan. They found Atlas with the world on his back. Like, this is the guy (laughs) to fill the role. So Davis and being able to move just in front of the Ravens to go get him, delightful. And then you're sitting there at 18 like, wow, home run. Let's go solve the secondary. Maybe we draft Traylon Burks. John Dawson went kind of early. That's crazy. And then it was just an immediate send. Like, the Eagles got on the clock at 18. I was like, oh, trade with the Titans. A.J. Brown. Like, it was... It, it was what the, what the rumor was is that the Eagles wanted to trade up to 13 for Jamison Williams, got sniped by the Lions and said, well, we'll just do the trade up to 13 for Jordan Davis and then just go casually trade the 18th overall pick for A.J. Brown. Just as a nice, friendly backup plan. And, and give Brown him 100 is, mil. Yes, a four years, 100 mil for 24 years old. So he, that's the only until he's 28. So it's really fine. He's still quite young. Mm. And it's only 57 million guaranteed, which on a four-year, $100 million deal really is not that bad. So, in the immortal words... Of the prophet Moses, or excuse me, the prophet Noah, when he stood on the ark and released the doves to see if the land was dry and inhabitable mm-hmm. again, go birds. <laughs> oh my God, dude. <laughs> I thought he was going to say, in the wow. words of Colonel Sanders, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. <laughs> uh, so I, as I a Giants I, fan who had a great night, I have to say, I was 
My joy, my pure unbridled joy was quickly tempered when I realized that the Eagles were going to have Jordan Davis and A.J. Brown. And like by the, I really think the best football advice DK has ever and probably will ever dispense, which is just figure out what the opposing fans don't want you to do and do that. Mm -hmm. The Eagles, I mean, it's certainly, look, the Eagles have their best receiver since Terrell Owens. That's bad for everyone else. Are they going to throw so it more? I, I, can we get yeah. AJ Brown on a team that likes to throw the football, though? You know what I mean? Seriously. Okay, but that's, here's, here's the that's thing. That's going to be my follow up. Sure, but that team is the 2023 Philadelphia Eagles. Okay. They're going to play Jalen Hurts this year. And like AJ Brown, where does he dominate? Middle of the field. Where does Jalen Hurts not throw? Middle of the field. So it's going to be a little bit awkward. It's going to be trying to figure it out. Oh, it turns out that maybe Hurts is a good running quarterback. This isn't perfect for him. And so. The groundwork is so beautifully laid. Jordan Mailata, long-term left tackle. Landon Dickerson, Jason Kelsey, you know, era parent. Lane Johnson, star right tackle. Devontae Smith on one side, A.J. Brown on the other. The groundwork is oh so perfectly laid for 2023 Eagles starting quarterback, C.J. Stroud, slash insert veteran here, slash whoever can throw the football. This is such a nice offensive framework the eagles are so well oriented for next year which they still have two first first round picks because the saints oh so desperately needed trevor penning suck it mickey loomis oh good feeling fellas good feeling (laughs) is that also what what noah said Suck it, Suck it, Mickey Loomis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's somewhere in scripture, I think. <laughs> I, it's incredible. But I agree with DK. I do have the I, I, I was also one about Jalen Hurts, but I actually think the Giants and the Eagles are on the same plan of like, we're just gonna build it and then hopefully they will come. Yeah. And, I will say Giants, man, had a really, really good draft. Kudos to the Giants, who I would have I would have put a lot of my reputation down that the Giants did not like Avon Thibodeau. They played that very well and then just took him at five. Nice and clean. Didn't even worry about the Lions at two. That was really beautifully done. They were t- like eight, the Falcons, nine Seahawks. They would have liked Kayvon Thibodeau. And if they knew about the Giants, they would have maybe tried to move around. The fact that they were able to, to, to keep that as booked as they did at five and get who I think is the best edge in the class. Really, really big win for New York. So I wasn't sure when to talk about this because I am so irrational that I just wanted to, to scream for the rooftops. But if you guys want to do the Giants right now, I, I think... This is the best, just like what you were saying with the Eagles, and this is like an incredible night for them. Do you guys remember where the Giants were in early January, like three months ago? Like when they when they had like that crazy stat about scoring within two minutes and well, not just that. Jake Fromm <laughs> they can't was taking score touchdowns. A, Jake Fromm was quarterback sneaking on third and nine <laughs> at the four yard line because Joe judge was so worried that they would lose four yards on third down. So they were quarterback sneaking. And in the next three months, they fired Dave Gettleman. They fired Joe judge. They've declined Daniel Jones's fifth year option. They've acquired perhaps the single best pass rusher in this draft and perhaps the single best offensive tackle in this draft. The two players who, if you just go back to all the mock drafts in January, (laughs) were going first and second in every mock draft, and the Giants got both of them. And you left out that they hired Brian Dayball, who turned the Bills into a juggernaut, and Joe Shane. Who the best yeah. turnaround of a franchise? I mean, not winning a Super Bowl like the Bills being a juggernaut, like the best franchise turnaround in years. Those guys are now running the team. I don't think you could chart a course from January to today that is mm-hmm. more optimistic and more hopeful than what has actually unfolded in reality for the New York Giants. Yeah. I am over the moon. 
And there's an important thing here, which is that like people like to say, wow, your, your team drafted a player you liked. Every problem is solved now. They're going to be good forever. And it's like, okay, obviously some of these guys are going to suck. But that's the, thing, that's the thing for the Giants is that in January, there was no light at the end of the tunnel. And nope. now in April, there is. And if you want to get to the end of the tunnel, the people who are going to get you there, your third string guard who's forced into playing time has to believe there's a light. Right, your guys in the building, from the GM and the head coach and the starting quarterback all the way down the depth chart, have to think we are moving in the correct direction. Because if they don't think that, you'll never get there. Even if like right around the corner is home, right around the corner is the turnaround, right around the corner is competing. If there's no belief, you're never going to take a step forward. You're just not going to want to. You're not going to want to get on a field and try to win a football game. Now in New York, there is that feeling. I very much agree with with Heifetz in that sense. I do want to take your temperature, Danny. 36 pick for the Giants. Fourth pick mm. of the second round. No Daniel Jones fifth-year option. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. You want to talk about... Listen, only one wow. quarterback went, and it was Kenneth Pickett. Craig, we will get to you in a second. <laughs> <laughs> There's a way this pick at 36 really dials the optimism and the light at the end of the tunnel up Stop. to 11. And those ways are Malik Willis and Desmond Ritter, brother. You flatter What if it's me. Desmond Ritter who I come to Daniel Jones, but in a good way? That's so funny. It would be uh, perfect. I politely, I Chef's politely kiss. decline. No, I think the Giants and the Eagles. I, honestly, that's so. I feel like I just got hit on at a bar. Like, hey, you want to do a quarterback? I'm like, I, oh my god, like we could be bad. Should we order fries? We oh my bad? god, we could be bad. Uh, Should we? Like, be bad? I. Wow, that's. I feel giddy. I have butterflies. This is incredible. No, I, just think I, it's I, cool. I think that they. Yeah, they're going to trade James Bradbury and they're going to take a cornerback, which is going to be really cool. But Kyler no, Gordon, thirty six, good pick. Yeah. Kyler Gordon at thirty six, yes sir. Kyler, Kyler Gordon's there. Andrew Booth is there. I think the Booth Giants is take still a out there. Yeah, but uh, anyway, I, 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 this is just thrilling. I don't think so. DK, yo, what are your thoughts on Kayvon? To like, am I being too giddy as a Giants fan for Kayvon? No, I mean I really like him. He's my number two overall player in this class, and frankly, I probably is really I just kind of chickened out putting him number one. Um, Because I had him number one to start with for a long time. And then finally, I was like, I think just Aiden Hutchinson has a slightly higher floor. Um, And there was so much smoke around teams not liking Thibodeau. And I just basically chickened out. But like, I I really like him. I think he's a good player. Explosive, explosive first step. Um, I think he's got plenty of bend. Maybe he's not the most bendy guy. Because I know that that was some concern with, uh, you know, some analysts coming into this draft. But like, I think he can dip and rip and, um, you know, dip his shoulder, get flat, get to the quarterback. He's a good run defender. He's super athletic. It's like you've been saying, he played hurt all last year, showed toughness. Um, this I is my thing really with the attitude. Everyone's like, problem with Kayvon Thibodeau's attitude. My my problem is the double standard of, if Aiden Hutchinson yeah. played through an ankle injury and didn't miss time, people would be like, oh, what grit from Aiden Hutchinson. Right. And instead, Thibodeau does it, and they're like, does he have a motor? Yeah. So I think it's a home run pick. I mean, I, I again, I gave... I think the Giants A pluses in both of them probably, and I just, like Neil like great pick with Neil. I was very bummed because I was hoping he would fall to the Seahawks at that point. Um, so I don't know. It was just yeah, a great pick. I think the overarching feel for the Giants is it is absolute one eighty. Like yeah, for the longest time, bad process, bad process. Like GM that just like you know, trolls, people that are talking about like positional value. Like he does the little like typing on the keyboard thing. Like I'm not a nerd, blah, blah, blah. Like everything the Giants have done, it, like you said, in the last like three, four months, it's like very good process. The coaching staff they brought in, got to be really excited about it. Like the way, the the two positions they pick, um, 
you know, these are the premier positions, like both of these, like you said, top players at one point in the, in the draft process. So just, you got to love the process. Like obviously the results got to come later. Um, and, and we'll find out over the next few years, whether this process worked, but like, I absolutely love everything about the process the Giants are doing. They didn't they didn't pick up Daniel Jones's fifth year option, which is good process because they don't need to. They can figure out what he does this year. They don't lock themselves into that contract going forward. Always have the if he plays well, too. yeah. And if he plays well, guess what? You can extend him. Like that's fine. So uh, everything that they're doing is just intelligent and smart. And like this is the way that you're supposed to build a team. So there's a lot of good reason. There's a lot of reasons to feel good about this team and about the direction of the Giants. Finally, after years of just basically being like, these guys don't know what they're doing. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, that's you know, gotta we, feel we, good. We made the joke about, uh, we actually never did bar rescue, team rescue. We planned on doing it this offseason, we never did it, where yeah. somebody just comes in, cleans house, and like redoes a restaurant. This feels like what's happening with the Giants right yeah. now. And you're like, oh, the, adults are actually driving the car now. <laughs> they, yes. they, the, the Giants were rescued, and adults are driving. It's just, it's thr- it feels weird. It's thrilling. I, it's yeah. incredible. I feel like I got out of a toxic relationship. So, anyway... I do want to go back. It, my, my hopes were quickly dimmed a little bit by the Eagles making this A.J. Brown trade. I do want to go back to the Titans dealing away A.J. Brown. Now, mm-hmm. uh, I, we're going to give the Titans an award here, and we came up with a special award. It's called the Maybe We Pay Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill Too Much Money Award. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out Ryan Tannehill having the second largest capita of any player in the NFL was a bad idea, or maybe tough. So basically, it seems what they did here is the Titans traded away A.J. Brown, and they took Traylon Burks, the receiver from Arkansas. And basically, the idea is instead of paying A.J. Brown, depending on the, the money, $20 million or so a year, they're going to pay Traylon Burks about $4 million or so a year. DK, you compare Traylon Burks to A.J. Brown during this draft mm. process. So do you think the Titans made a good decision? Uh, I think... It's tough. I didn't. I didn't. I think I gave him like a C or something like that. I, I didn't love this. I don't like this. Is this, <laughs> Mister never gives anyone a B? Gave them a this C. Is tra- I, this is Traylon Burks, whom I love. Like I love Burks, but they're trading a established superstar player who's proven it in the NFL. You know, uh, for a guy who has not done that yet and has some major question marks going in, like route running and things like that. So I think there's a lot of risk there, and they did it basically to escape the cap hits that AJ Brown was going to, you know, bring them. Um, I'm still like, I, I understand like from their point of view, why they did that, because look, there's going to be, and we've talked about this with the Seahawks and some other teams that have done this lately. Um, you know, there's going to be good receivers in every draft. And instead of paying a receiver top dollar, you know, you're going to go in and hopefully draft guys that can play somewhat of the role that they're playing. But like, again, it's, you're tr- you're trading a superstar, and you're hoping that Traylon Burst can turn into you know something that's even remotely similar to that, which could take some time, by the way. So I don't know. To me, it's just like I didn't love the move, um, and that's coming from someone who really likes Traylon Burks. So I don't know. I just my my instant gut was just like you know you're trading away one of your best players. <laughs> that's like so, the bottom line. So like I feel like the league is splitting. Like we talked for ten years now about how quarterbacks and rookie contracts are important. It feels like receivers and rookie contracts are the new quarterbacks and rookie contracts. And I feel like the league is splitting into two camps here about the le- basically the teams who, whether they think it's worth it or they just want to, are paying receivers a ton of money. And the teams who are being like, actually, we'd rather just take a ro- risk on a rookie. I'm curious which side of that you fall on, right. both in this trade and, and writ large. So this is an extremely good example of, of, right, where we talk about things in theory and then we go to talk about things in practice. Yes. In theory, uh, it is good to approach things by going cheap at receiver. 
There are always good receivers available. It is easier to get production out of rookie receivers than it ever has been before. And there's such a variety of body types available at receiver, right? AJ Brown was always kind of like a unique guy, six foot 225, right? That sort of build typically got put at like box safety or linebacker. We didn't see a lot of receivers of this size. And low here comes Traylon Burks. 62230, right? So it's a linebacker build. And he's here at receiver. And oh, he can step into that AJ Brown role. So because the receiver position is just ballooning in terms of who's in it and how experienced they are and how many reps they've gotten, like you can just always find a receiver. So it's really good process, in my opinion. You know, from a theory team building level, we start at ground zero on a team. Let's just draft the receiver in the second round every single year. Like, let's just take one, take one, take one, take one, just cycle them through, right? And that's why people start talking about, like, oh, this position can be kind of like running back, where you're just constantly bringing a new body, fresh body, and trying to avoid dipping into a market where you have to pay a guy 20 to $25 million. That's the theory. The practice is A.J. Brown is really good. Yeah. <laughs> and we have to, tr- We if this theory is sound, we should trade him and draft Traylon Burks. You know, maybe, kind of. Like, it doesn't have to be one-to-one like that all the time, but right. it would be better for us not to pay this really good veteran, $25 million, so that we can just keep cycling through a rookie. And all of a sudden, that theory, which sounded so good on a podcast, was such a nice little two-and-a-half-minute blurb and a radio hit, a nice little article, right? I did a whole video on this thing. Oh, none feels good anymore, does it? <laughs> it starts to get a little scary. <laughs> you yeah. really start, you start to put names to it, and you realize this is a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do for a person level, right? There's a video of Mike Rabel reacting to the the AJ Brown trade. He gets up out of his chair and kind of like takes a walk. And yes. you can tell it's like, man, this this is tough because I've played with that guy. I know that guy. I've trusted that guy. I've 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 worked with that guy. And so I I I do fall in the camp that like, yeah, you should be trying to stay cheap receiver. You can make rookie receivers really productive. Traylon Burks might walk in to be good. That's my wide receiver one. That's an AJ Brown like player to me. I think that's a great landing spot for him. Mm-hmm. With that said, I'm really happy the Eagles have A.J. Brown right now because I know for a fact A.J. Brown's a good receiver. Mike Vrabel said a week ago or something, he said there's no chance we'll trade him, as, not as long as I'm the head coach. And I mean, I think we was I don't remember. We, I've talked to you guys so much last week. I don't know if it was on a pod or not, but DK, I think, was the one who said you never see the camera cut to the, the, the draft room and everyone's sad. Like they're always happy after the pick. The Titans draft room was somber. I've never really seen a draft room like oh, that after a pick. They were like, it was distraught. Not distraught, but like, it it, it looked like they had gotten their pick skipped. And mm-hmm. then they, they were really embarrassed. Like, it was very, very somber. And and, and I, I, I completely agree with you, Solak, where it's so much easier in reality. In reality, like, you kind of go through the draft process to find an A.J. Brown. And then the idea of like, well, we, you know, the cap, who cares about the cap? But that's where it's at, right? Ryan Tannehill's cap is this year's bigger than Patrick Mahomes. So they made that decision, I think, because they're they're out on Tannehill. So I don't know. I think it, it's the, the thing that you can lose track of really easily as a fan and as someone that, as people, you know, the, the cap gets talked about a lot. And like people always talk about, oh, this team did such a great job of keeping the cap low, blah, blah, blah. They have this much space. But like at the end of the day, it's not actually bad. In fact, it's good to have to pay really good players. To have really good players on well, your team. Well, and let's be real. They made the decision to pay Derrick Henry, and they basically yeah. just decided they wouldn't pay A.J. Brown. Would you? And Craig said this to me earlier tonight. Uh, would you rather have drafted Brees Hall, the running back, and kept A.J. Brown, or would you rather do what they did, which is keep De- Derrick Henry and have Traylon Burks? <laughs> yeah. 
That I is, feel like the answer close. is Brees Hall yeah. and AJ. And as cool as Derrick Henry's been the last year and a half, you probably wanted to trade Derrick Henry and keep the AJ Brown. But that's not what, yeah. but that's what happened. Anyway, uh, I want to keep rolling here. We have another award. And we're, it's the Am I Getting Punked <laughs> Award? What's going on here? And it's for the Green Bay Packers yeah. fans. We were joking the other day because the Packers, I mean, 20 years without a receiver in the first round. AJ, sorry, AJ, Aaron Rodgers was talking about this two years ago that he wanted a first-round receiver. The Packers trade Devontae Adams, get two first-rounders, and they take the fifth and sixth best defenders on Georgia's defense. Like, this is crazy. This was the joke we made, was they would take a linebacker and defensive tackle. We joked about oh, that shit. two weeks I did. ago. We did say that. We yeah. said, ah, oh, they'll just take a linebacker and a D-tackle. They actually oh did it. I think Aaron Rodgers went on Pat McAfee's show during the draft and joked, like, are we going to trade for Debo Samuel? Like, can we do something? And here's yeah. the thing. On the list of teams the Niners will not trade Debo Samuel to, the Green Bay Packers the are Packers very, are very high, brother. <laughs> so I, I just I, I just have Rock Munis empathy for all the Packers it's, fans it's out there. It's pretty grim out there. Who else is on the wide receiver market? Who could they yeah, get? What are they going to do? Go get David Bell from Purdue? Like, I, no shame. Will Fuller? Bell. No, yeah, I think he's going to go to Cleveland. Around. Jarvis Landry's still out there. It's it's not not great. If <laughs> Sammy Watkins and Robert Tanyan, it's tough. So anyway, the other one we've got. Am I getting punked? Part two award, and that's going to the New England Patriots. <laughs> boy, oh so, boy, folks! The New England I Patriots to Cole Strange in the first round. I was on the phone from? with Craig when this happened. What, Craig? What, what did you say? So I said from Cole oh. Strange from Chattanooga. You Chattanooga. Chattanooga, baby. Third team. He was on the third team all FCS. So good job. (laughs) I was on the phone Craig when this happened. (laughs) Oh, that is that is the best fucking thing I've ever heard. Craig goes so good job. (laughs) (laughs) I had to look him up, and he was seventy third on DK's big. I literally was like, I've heard that name, but is it from Marvel or DK's Big Board? I couldn't remember. (laughs) Captain Strange. So, Uh, so like a cousin of the Doctor. I don't know. So he's seventy third on DK's Big Board, which apparently is too high because. There's a video that by the time people listen to this will be mega viral. But so Sean McVay was on camera, I think at the Rams press conference when this pick happened on television. And Sean McVay literally says, wow, we wasted time watching the tape on Strange because we thought he'd be there at uh, 1.04 when the Rams pick. Could you play the audio from this clip, Craig? Your brother, Sean McVay? Yeah. Really, really? Oh, my UT Chattanooga to the first round. Hey, where is... How about that? And we wasted our time watching him thinking he'd be at 104, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) With the built-in laugh track from the assembled media. So good. So, like, you just went on Bill Simmons' podcast. How did you talk about this without getting fired? Uh, well, Bill's, Bill's pretty sad. And so I was like, hey, <laughs> I, I know some coaches like Cole Strange. Uh, and the, the funny actual real story is that uh, people who I, 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 I bet with and who we talked about like draft bets with uh, were trying to get a Cole Strange line up at one of these books. Like like points bet would take, you know, recommendations for lines because they wanted to take the under because he was a, had some fans coaching staffs and he was a very good athlete and teams tend to trust D3 and FCS 
offensive lineman. That's a position you see get drafted early when we talk especially about D3. Especially the third-team FCS. Yeah, yeah, exactly, especially. <laughs> uh, but he was a senior bowler, and he played well, and he had proven versatility. Like, a lot of it was, like, very good profile to be like, hey, Cole Strange, pick 60. And then the Patriots <laughs> traded back from 21 to 29 and said, this is, this is far enough. We can't risk Cole Strange going at 34. We can't move back anymore. <laughs> Got to take him this in is, round one. God, this is such a Seahawks yeah. move. I love this. Yeah, it is. I think there's a good chance Cole Strange becomes a good player. Uh, I, I I like his his profile. I liked what I saw from him at the Senior Bowl and from the film I've seen. I don't I don't watch a ton of Cole Strange, but I was watching some before I came on the Simmons pod. Uh, there's likable traits. This guy, I think, can play mm-hmm. at center in the league and, and be a pretty good one. <laughs> likable traits. You, this is the first yeah. round player. You didn't yeah. have to draft him at 29. Very simply, well, that, you did not. That have is to draft what's him. going on here. What's clearly, up? Ben? Thanks for that. Last year, I likened Ben Roethlisberger playing quarterback to like your grandfather who refuses to give up the car keys because he still says that he can drive. And you're like, Grandpa, it's over, all right? It's not safe anymore. What's Bill Belichick doing? You're a danger to Simmons us and made the exact else. same metaphor, Craig. Did he really? He said, he said like this. Like, he was like, "We got to Bill Belichick can't drive the car anymore. Like we got to, we got to hide the keys." Like, That's the you know, Craig metaphor. and Bill spent too much time together. Delicate conversation, right there. DK, you've been getting old. What do you, you think? Belichick's too old. How dare you, Hyphen? I don't know. Um, look, I actually agree with Ben. Like, I think he'll end up being a good player, but like, it is a question of opportunity cost. That's really the big thing for me. Like the Patriots left an awful lot of talent on the board to take Cole Strange. Um, when I think, you know, of course you never know what the N- other NFL teams are going to do. So me saying this is like sort of rings hollow, but like there's a very good chance you get this guy in the second round. Like you don't have to take him in the first round. Um, and he's not a guy that you absolutely need to leave the draft with either. So it's always tough when you draft a guy, you know, isn't in Vegas. Like he's not there. <laughs> I don't. So I, I couldn't keep track of all the trades. So the Vikings traded up to 32. Did they give up a second round pick? Because the Patriots clearly could have traded back. That's the other part yeah, of this. The Patriots already the traded dude. back too. So they had moved back. They before could have just done it again. Him. They anyway, should have yeah. done it again. Um, and it's like, look, the, the other thing is he's almost 24 years old. So he's not only a small school guy who probably still needs to develop a little bit. He's already old. Um, he hasn't faced top tier competition. Like these are, this is a, he's old, this but is he's a, 46 this is years younger than Bill Belichick. Bad process. This is the trifecta of bad process that we typically see from the Seahawks. Like old senior bowl, small school guy. And the Patriots did it. Thank God. Uh, sorry, Bill. But like, I mean, again, he's maybe he's going to turn out to be a good player, but like to me, the opportunity cost is what really stands out. It's, here. I, I, you know what? I, I, I fund you know what? I a little disagree with you, DK. I think what stands out is that Sean McVay said he thought he'd be there at 104. <laughs> that's what yeah. stands out. Well, that, and, and, and Heifetz, look, that's part of the process. That's part of uh, what the draft is. Like, GM's part of their job and they delegate um, to their team a lot of, in a lot of cases. I don't know if every team does it, but like, these teams are going out and like studying mock drafts, like trying to get intel on other teams. Like really a big part of your job is figuring out where players are going to go in the draft so you know where you should take them. And this feels like a massive miscalculation, to be honest. Ch- so Chattanooga lost to Mercer six to ten. <laughs> is that like March <laughs> okay. Madness playing gamer? I refuse to blame the left guard for the Mercer loss. All right. I that that to me is too far. Six points? <laughs> Sounds like a March Madness playing game. By the, way, I, I, the guard dude, couldn't get a touchdown. I went on First Bill's pod. Player. I went on Bill's pod last week, and I think I, I can't remember what all my predictions were. One of them was that the the quarterback class was going to just naturally settle, like it, like it, like you're not going to see trade up. So I got that one right. And then my second, one of my second uh, guesses or like predictions or whatever was 
that some random ass player that I didn't write up was going to be a first round pick because that was the nature oh, right. of this draft that there's just a whole bunch of guys that could be potential first rounders. Thank God I wrote Cole Strange up or else I'd be working late tonight writing up his scouting report. Kind of like Solak was Honestly, doing before. You, you just make it up. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I'm, solid trades. You know what? Wait, you know what we should put in the draft guide next year? DK should a fake make up player. a guy and we should funny. figure out how long it takes like the other draft analysts to notice that that Who guy doesn't guy? exist. That would be incredible. DK makes up a prospect from Two Germany. Two prospects, one lie, man. Yeah. Two pro- 100 pro- 99 prospects, one lie. Yeah. Who is it? Bernard uh, Ryman? Raymond this year? Raymond, like yeah. from Where is he from? Austria? Central Michigan. But yeah, he's, probably, he's from Austria. But <laughs> Via Michigan. Austria. Could yeah. you make up like someone from the like international pathway, like a German guy, and like he doesn't I think exist? You, you find an FCS school that wants some pub, and you have them put a Pay, you they put a fake player bio up on their site, right? Oh, our our you know three year starter, a defensive tackle wearing number ninety one. Then you just From have the, draft guys combing through the film, being like, "Where's ninety one? When does he rotate in?" Yeah, he starts for the Citadel. That's yeah. what. We, we, that's no, what no, no. Like. It's it's Mercer. <laughs> Mercer. Yeah, yeah they, they beat Mercer. Chattanooga. They earned this. Where is Mercer? Pop quiz. Oh, Georgia, Illinois, Alabama. I have no idea. Where is Mercer? So I'm gonna guess Mercer? South Carolina. I don't know. Where is Georgia? Hell yeah. Frank. All right. Well, all right. Back to the NFL draft. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. We're talking about Mercer. Didn't think there'd be a Mercer reference tonight. <laughs> Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud, or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Anyway, the Pittsburgh Steelers drafted the replacement for Ben Roethlisberger. Maybe we should talk about that. Uh, Damn right, yeah. Craig. Yeah. After all that... Craig's already talked himself into this, let's be honest. We were all... How does it feel? You took Kenny Pickett. I talked myself into Kenny Pickett a week ago when I, I didn't, I, you know, what's funny is like a little kernel inside me was like, they're going to pick Pickett. They're not going to pick Willis. I just knew they weren't going to pick Willis because they wanted somebody who could play quarterback this year and like run an offense. Not saying right. Malik won't be able to do that eventually, but perhaps not right now. This is where I stand. I'm happy they didn't trade up for him. I'm happy <laughs> yeah. they waited. I didn't want them to trade up to like nine or six or something and give up way too much. I'm honestly just happy that there is some hope this off season like that, we're, we're going to get some anticipation, the workouts, the off-season buzz, the rumors. That's all great. If he ends up starting week one, that means he's better than Mitch Trubisky, which I know the bar sounds kind of low there. But to be honest, I'd be kind of happy with that. If I know that Kenny Pickett can beat out Mitch Trubisky in training camp, I'll be very happy. I honestly will. I like that he wears two gloves. It helps his small hands. I watch the sports <laughs> science on it. It increases your grip by 20%. And you know what? Hand size doesn't actually matter that much with grip. It's really forearm strength. Have you guys ever, muscles. by the way, have you ever worn football gloves? Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. I could, it's, I could be it's a bad It's actually insane with them. how grippy they are. 
It's very, very helpful. It should be illegal. <laughs> Every time you're like, how'd they make that catch? It was the gloves. The, it's like sticky as hell. It's crazy. I got one more thing. People keep saying, oh, Malik Willis is the highest upside. Highest ceiling, Malik Willis. It's like, okay, you know, winning the lottery has the most upside financially, but you don't quit your job to just buy a lottery ticket every day. I like that analogy. That's good. So like yeah. that he made money doing that. Like Kenny Pickett is like a, a legitimate football player who can like run an offense. Also, I do think there's probably some, he's obviously went to Pittsburgh. It's a really good story. It's a perfect landing they spot. They share a building. They share a building. Pat Muldowney, who used to work, he still works for the Spotify, but he works for Spotify Live. Now he used to work for the Ringer. Sent something in our Slack channel. We have a Steeler Slack channel. And he was like, people from Pittsburgh love nothing more than other people from Pittsburgh. And <laughs> I do think that kind of factored in with Kenny Pickett. Also, Mark Whipple was the, was the offensive coordinator, was coaching Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh when he was there. And Mark Whipple was also the guy who coached Ben Roethlisberger when he was in the Steelers. He was a QB coach during his first few seasons when he won a Super Bowl. So I'm sure that had to do with it as well. But I do like it. It's a story. It's like a feel-good story. Craig, you're, my girlfriend's from Pittsburgh, and she said the same thing to me about people from Pittsburgh. Like, it's not about the school pit. A lot of people in Pittsburgh go to pit, but it's not about pit. It's about like Help Pittsburgh it. people are so desperate for like one of their own to succeed. Like remember when James Conner made the Steelers and like he was from Pitt and obviously he had a great story of being a cancer survivor, but like Steelers fans were so quick to embrace him. A quarterback being one of their own, like it's genuinely a cool story. And also I just think that any quarterback going to a good team like the Steelers will just naturally be better. I thought of the quote from Inception when Leo and, oh, what's her name? Oh, the woman who plays mall. It's right on the tip of my tongue. Never, it doesn't matter where. They're like, it's that quote where it's like, you're waiting for a train, a train that will take you far away. You know where you hope this train will take you, but you can't know for sure. Yet it doesn't matter. Do you know why? Because we'll be together. I don't know where Kenny Pickett's going to take me, but I'm happy right now because we're together. <laughs> oh my I'm God. I'm okay with it. Dude, this is why the draft is like insanely popular it sells hope it sells like you're on that train you don't know where you're going but you're happy to be together like i'm happy we're all so, actually everyone in this everyone in this podcast right now is like ex actually extremely happy we're all I'm, happy I'm surprised teams this that, happened so well on that note wait so pickett's the only quarterback who went in the first round there's obviously now like four depending if you count carson strong i do not four i want ben to eviscerate me Oh, Craig said, oh, yeah, he's ben, holding, his, he's holding his tongue right now. Yeah, yeah you talk shit about me. Kill the hope. Yeah. Kill the hope. You know that um, you know that clip of that uh uh European football manager who goes, I cannot speak. If I speak, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> that's that's how I feel currently about Kenny Pickett. <laughs> do it, do it. Uh, uh, Craig said two things when he was talking about Kenny Pickett. He said, one, if I know he can beat out Mitchell Trubisky, that makes me happy. And two, <laughs> Kenny and two, Kenny Pickett is a real quarterback. I am <laughs> devastated to inform you, Craig, <laughs> that neither up. one of those things is true. Uh, I firmly believe oh. Mitchell Trubisky will be the starting quarterback for the Steelers in week one. Oh, and wow. I also... That's fine. Yeah. I'm okay also, with that. All right. At what time would you like for Kenny Pickett to take over that job? If Mitch Trubisky is okay, and when the Steelers are like a wild card team, Kenny Pickett doesn't have to play this year. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I agree I that secondhand embarrassment. I agree that if the like, Steelers are a wild card team, they should continue to play the quarterback they were previously <laughs> playing. I'm just worried that they're not going to be that. This is having grown up with a Steelers fan dad. This is such a Steelers fan thing. It's like, yeah, it's bad, but like we'll just go eleven and five and and make the playoffs. So I don't really understand, but yeah. that's just what the Steelers do. Like it's not great, but like I guess we'll just lose in the divisional round this year instead. It's like, man, this is this is Pittsburgh privilege right here. Um, whatever. Uh, Pickett might turn out to be 
on the upper end of his outcomes, right? He may turn out to, to be a good quarterback. Uh, I don't think that offensive line in Pittsburgh is going to help him get there. But if he does, even then, I think that the the resultant ceiling with Pickett will have you see him finish his first contract. Maybe you are like the Bears under Trubisky and you do get to a playoff game a couple of times and just losing the wild card round. And then all of a sudden you want a different quarterback. Um, whenever you draft round one quarterback, I'm not thinking about, can he start year one? I'm thinking about, can he start for 10 years? Is that the sort of guy I can get? Um, and to me, that was never Pickett. So whatever team landed with Pickett, I didn't think it was going to be great. And obviously the Steelers have good receivers and a good history of development. That's a front office that generally you should trust. But for me, it's hard to see the outcomes here. It's hard, it's hard to see the, uh, the long-term mark. Tiny hands, big plans, baby. Yep. Full steam ahead. Small hands. Craig, Craig big yields, have, baby. <laughs> Craig Wait, we should tell people. Mottos. I love Wait, this. we should tell people that Craig named our group text that. I did. Tiny, Tiny hands, hands, big yields. Big yields. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Words okay. to live by. Uh, big yields, baby. Classic. All right. We don't have to spend too much time on the quarterbacks remaining on the board because we're going to know where these guys are playing in like, like 12 hours. So like, why don't we just wait for that? Uh, unless do you, you don't think the Giants going to take one at thirty six, do you? Because <laughs> if the Giants are, then we should spend. Then I want to talk about it. Yeah. Otherwise, I think <laughs> I think I, the most important thing is this: Buccaneers at thirty three, Titans at thirty five, Giants at thirty six, Texans at thirty seven, Seahawks at forty, Seahawks at forty one. We only saw one quarterback go, which to me was surprising. Betting markets had it at a two and a half with even juice on both sides. It was not expected that there was just one. I think we see multiple quarterbacks go before. Uh, including him before that second Seahawks pick. So from 33 to 41, I would expect two quarterbacks to leave the board. I think you're right. Also, we, we didn't mention how we all thought Kenny Pickett was going to go to the Steelers for two months, and then we changed our minds that he did. And the same logic is like, everyone's just been thinly relating Matt Corral to the Seahawks because Pete Carroll knows Lane Kiffin. And now I'm like, maybe that'll happen too. DK, you've been suspiciously quiet during the Pickett conversation. Are you secretly <laughs> part of the Tiny Hands clan? The two glove love? You back? Uh, you with us? What's up? I think, I, I don't, Love the pick. I don't think okay. he's gonna like. I, to be honest with you, I don't love it. But I think he is. That is the ultimate, probably the best situation for any of the rookie quarterbacks. Like you're going into a, a, a system that they have extremely, extremely strong foundation from the coaching staff. Like you're not going to worry about the, the the biggest worry I always have with with rookie quarterbacks is number one. Bullshit! Like I'm looking at your guide now. You gave him a C. Tell Craig to say you gave him a pick. C. I told yeah, you, but, okay. I just said I didn't love the pick. Is this a, a scenario C is, where Mac is like, fine. What? A C is passing grade. <laughs> yeah. You know, George Bush got into Yale with C's. A C is like, that's fine. I, it's okay. Is Kenny Pickett's dad is, president? <laughs> yeah, that one small caveat. Uh, but is there a chance that Kenny Pickett is the Mac Jones of 2022 because of the situation? Yeah, because we've made fun of his hands for the last like five months. Yeah, sure. I could. I, think I don't think I couldn't the give less of the hands. Shit about it the was hands. them being jittery in the pocket. So like the great quarterback. I couldn't Cody. give less of a shit about the hands. Said the man who early in our planning of the podcast was like, "We got to do an episode about the hands, man. We got to talk." <laughs> Kenny Pickett, tell me about these hands. It's good content, then. But <laughs> I've come around. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I wonder Here's why. All right. uh, let me get. Let me get back to my. I think it's number one. I think it's a good landing spot for him. They already have established several established good receivers. Um, and again, the big thing that you always worry about with rookie quarterbacks is like a rookie quarterback's going to come in. It's going to be like a desperation pick from a, uh, lame duck coach who is like trying to save his job. You go one year, they try and figure it out. The coach that drafted him gets, tr uh, gets fired. Then you bring in someone else. Maybe that new coach doesn't really like they him. They put blah, him blah. in too early then when you, they're like, like 0 this, three. Yeah. yeah. It's like this death spiral. Justin Fields is already in this, by the way, which like terrifies yep. me. 
Um, yep, and is. so, like, this is a great situation because the fucking Steelers never fire their coach, ever. Uh, they're one of Don't the most stable it, franchises yeah. in the NFL. They're always going to have good receivers because for some reason, well, I guess now they have, they're going to have a new GM. So maybe they literally they, only have change. two wide receivers right now. So they need to do some work. <laughs> but I, I do think like it's a great, great situation for him. And so that gives him a much better chance of panning out than say if he went to Carolina or if he went to some other crappy team that needs a quarterback right now, Atlanta, maybe. Like I feel so much more bullish for Kenny Pickett going to Pittsburgh than I would for any of the other teams, basically. So I don't love Pickett. He was my third ranked quarterback. Um, but I do think that like the situation is good for him. And so I do think he could end up being like an average starter. I don't really think he's going to be a star, but you know, that's not really what you, you don't have to have that to be successful. It helps a lot though. <laughs> I feed off the criticism. I yeah. I'm dining I, I, on it. I think that this is going to be a really fun, like Kenny Pickett, like hometown guys, Pittsburgh's not hometown, but it's, it's going to be fun. Okay. I want to talk about the receiver run. Cause there were a lot. So the AJ Brown trade, we talked about at the top kind of, was the cap to this massive receiver run. And it kind of started, the Falcons took USC receiver Drake London at number eight. And then a lot of people were Got thought that. that the Jets might take, there you go, DK. A lot of people thought the Jets might take Drake London at 10. And so yep. when the Falcons took Drake London at eight, there was kind of a, the Jets had to make a decision at 10. They decided to take Ohio State receiver Garrett Wilson at 10. Then the Saints traded up took Wilson's teammate at Ohio State, Chris Olave, at 11. Then the Lions traded up and took Jameson Williams, who used to be their team at Ohio State before he transferred to Alabama. Whole thing. So, Solak and DK, you two, I would say one of your biggest, maybe your biggest disagreement of the whole draft cycle was about Garrett Wilson. Mm -hmm. DK, did, was Garrett Wilson your number one receiver, your number two receiver? Uh, he was my number one, I think. Number one. Solak, you kind of felt Garrett Wilson was like outside the top five? Yeah, Wilson Wilson was my fifth receiver of the six I gave first round grades to. Um, I had London at eight to the Falcons and Wilson at ten to the Jets for a long time, and then I switched him in my final mock. And Don't you that hate one, that shit. Yeah. Well, it's Sucked. annoying. What, what's what's interesting to me is that so it went Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, and it occurred to me that I actually almost kind of think that that order is backwards. Jamison Williams to me, is better than Olave, and Olave is better than Garrett Wilson. So, with all that said, DK, hmm. I know a lot of Jets fans and very mixed reactions to this pick. Part oh, of me really? thinks it's because they wanted Drake London, and he's a completely different kind of receiver than what they'd mentally prepared for. So, can you talk to some Jets fans? Tell me, tell Jets fans what they should expect getting Garrett Wilson. Oh, I, lo I love Garrett Wilson. So, um, I understand. So Solak doesn't like him because he's a bit like frenetic as a route runner. He's not like a smooth, like Olave is the exact opposite. Like Olave is smooth as silk as a route runner. He's a really good early separator. Wilson kind of does everything um, more frenetically. He kind of reminds me, honestly, of um, of what's the guy from the Giants? Heifetz, sorry. Uh, Darius Tony. Tony. Yeah, he, he reminds me a little bit of Darius Tony. He's, he's like very sudden, very explosive, very... Um, you know, twitched up in the short area, but he's also kind of like a little bit out of control. However, I do think he has just the overall mix of skill set that makes him, I think, going to be successful. And you know that 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 will help him be successful in the NFL. He's um got good speed downfield. Uh, he has a big catch radius. I think he's a good route runner. I think he can make yards after the catch. Um, and so he kind of complements, I think, what the Jets have. Uh, offensively, like he he and Elijah Moore will pair together well. They have Corey Davis on the outside who's kind of playing the X receiver spot. Um, and then he can kind of line up at the Z or at the slot. He can do whatever and and just help out that offense and, and get yards after the catch. Um, 
And also, like, he'll just be very helpful, I think, for a guy like Zach Wilson, who just needs more playmakers. He needs more, uh, you know, he, he, he go in there, he's going to have multiple options in the offense every time he snaps the football. So that's really helpful. Um, so I'm really high on Garrett Wilson. I know that that uh, Solak isn't. I know a couple of guys, uh, you know, in the in the tape world that aren't very high on him, but I, I really love him. Um, I know that he was a number of people's top receiver in this class, but this is like indictment or not indictment. This is an indication of how the class is. Like you, you could talk to like six or seven different draft analysts, and they would have a different order for the receiver class. That's just kind of how it is. Like to me, it's like a vibes class more than anything. So um, I really like Wilson. Like overall, his analytical profile is very strong. Um, and just watching him on tape, like his movement skills, I think are really, really intriguing. He has great body control, you know, very sudden in the short area. And he ran a four three eight or something like that. So he's got the deep speed too. So like you think Garrett Wilson's just bad vibes? Like it's not just straight bad vibes. You know what I mean? I understand why they grabbed him. Uh the vision is clear to me. Uh Garrett Wilson has the ability to go downfield because he has the speed. He's a 4-4 player. And one of the traits about him that's really attractive is the body control and ball adjustment down the field. He's mm-hmm. a really good field stretcher. He can make some acrobatic catches along the sideline. So with Elijah Moore, who's already a good slot separator, with Corey Davis, who's going to be that big body on the outside, who's going to be able to move to the inside and block for you, that 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 receiver blocking role is really important to this offense. Wilson is the snug fit. Uh, Jameson Williams would have made sense. I would have got it with Drake London just because Zach Wilson likes those big skyscraper receivers so much. But Wilson fits in very nicely with the other prototypes they have at receiver here. So this makes sense. It's also an investment in Wilson. We got to know what we got here. So we uh, a first-round receiver was an important thing for the Jets to get, and they they entirely passed on tackle, a position that they, they could have been in on because of the Mekhi Becton uncertainty, in part because I think they really feel they need to shore up this receiver core for the sake of Wilson. I understand that, and I respect that. Jets had made three first-round picks, three really good players who I had first-round grades on, and Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, who, not my favorite receiver, wouldn't have been my pick there, but still a first-round grade for me. And then Jermaine Johnson, who they apparently loved and were able to get like 16, 20 picks after. They would have the Jets, otherwise drafted yeah. him. Yeah. The Jets beat was convinced Jermaine Johnson was the pick at four. Yeah. Think about and that. He was and they got him at like 26. Yeah. 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 And they, it's a pretty they great draft for the Jets. Yeah. And, and Jets fans got pissed at me because I got asked, and I was just doing like a Twitter AMA earlier in the day, and I got asked like, what GM gets fired today? And I was like, well, like in terms of like fire today, like maybe bulky, I don't know, something blows up, but like fired because the results of today, Joe Douglas. And the reason I said that is because it's very much put up or shut up time for Joe Douglas's roster. He redid the entire offensive line. These are all Douglas acquisitions. He got the the the, the quarterback, second overall pick, uh, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis. Those were his receivers. Like this is his offense. He built this whole thing. And now he had two first round picks in the top 10. And he was obviously going to be maybe on a Debo Samuel trade. This was a huge draft for Joe Douglas that he had to win. He got three players that, per the reports, are like top 10, top 12 players on the Jets grade. Joe Douglas had the exact night Joe Douglas needed, assuming Joe Douglas's board was good, right? And assuming Sauce is that guy, Garrett Wilson's that guy, and Jermaine is that guy. If not, this, this having four and 10 and then an early second round pick, this was one of the, the, the most top heavy draft capital like war chests we've seen a long time. The Jets had a really strong uh, uh, war chest and made three first round picks. So this is the watershed draft for, for Joe Douglas. If he hit the home run that he thinks he did, Jets are on the up. Jets are a, a team that is beating other AFC contenders by the end of the season. They're not necessarily like an AFC playoff team, but they're causing problems. They're beating playoff teams because these young guys have coalesced. But that is the expectation now for Joe Douglas and the Jets. So great draft. 
killed it on consensus boards. Like I, for my Garrett Wilson opinions aside, three first round picks, all of them great players on your board, great play on the consensus board. Congratulations. This is the watershed draft. This one makes or breaks Joe Douglas's tenure in New York. I feel like the pressure also shifts a little bit to Zach Wilson. I think that Joe Douglas has done really well yeah. shifting a lot of these picks. I think Zach Wilson, we talked, we're going to talk a lot about Tua has a lot of pressure on him in the AFCs with Tyreek Hill and like they put everything around him to succeed. I think Zach Wilson is a similar situation. Another team that always puts pressure on themselves to win is the Saints. The Saints, once again, just living for now, trade up, take Chris Olave. Now, speaking of this Ohio State receiver, crazy as it is, one receiver room goes, you know, back to back to back with Ohio State. Yeah. Now, Chris Olave is going to the Saints. Michael Thomas went to Ohio State. I think this is kind of awesome to have Thomas and Olave together. No idea what to make of Jameis Winston being the quarterback for this team, but this is kind of pretty fun for the Saints to get Olave. Yeah, I very much agree. Uh, Olave is the exact sort of receiver that would have been like so fun with Drew Brees, right? It made a ton of sense in terms of the smoothness, in terms of the separation <laughs> and the timing. Now it's Jameis Winston. He can be a vertical player. It's just not really where his strength was, but they always, it was very clear that they loved him, that they loved Charles Cross, the, the tackle who the Seahawks got at nine. And then there was also the belief that they liked Trevor Penning. So they got the players they liked. Once again, they drafted well to their board. Penning's going to be probably forced in a position where he has to start right away because Toronto Armstead is now a Miami Dolphin. Uh, so they they have a, a hole there at left tackle and Penning's a bit rough around those edges. A low, little low raw on the outside. And so uh, Penning's learning curve is going to be important, but the, the Saints have generally done a good job developing these first-round picks that they've had along the offensive line. And then uh, Chris Olave, to me, is a perfect example of a year-one starter. So they should get immediate impact out of two top-20 picks. That's, that's a big deal. That's going to help out Jameis because that's blindside protector and... Uh, expected starting Z receiver. And so if Jameis is going to work, they gave him the tools necessary to do so. With that said, uh, I don't think the Saints should be considered a non-quarterback team. They're sitting there right now with 49 in, in the second round. That's after those teams I listed earlier. But if there's a quarterback on the board, I uh, wouldn't be surprised because that to me is, is appropriate future hedging for the New Orleans Saints if they were to grab one of these quarterbacks on, on day two and see if they can challenge Jameis that starting job in 2023. I think the other surprise of that receiver one is so the Lions took Aiden Hutchinson too. I think that they turned the pick in, I think, faster than I've ever seen a pick turned in. For, oh, like, yeah, that, that was, was true. That it was like immediate. I'm not going to lie. I feel very duped about the thought that they would ever take Kayvon Thibodeau after they turned in the pick on Hutchinson. It's, hi, hi, Fitz, you, don't have to feel duped. you don't have to feel duped. I actually do think they really liked him. You know, they put yeah. in a lot of work on him. And, and, and from everything that we heard, uh, so like you can confirm whether you heard this or not, but like, their GM, Brad Holmes, really liked him and maybe even wanted to take him over Hutchinson. Yeah. But he got he I'm got confident they liked Kayvon Thibodeau. I'm confident they felt comfortable drafting him at two. I'm confident that if Hutchinson were the pick at one, that card would have been in in five seconds and it would have been for Thibodeau. They okay. just knew they knew who the pick at one was and they knew what their response was. Uh, that's how the first few picks should go. Should be a 30-second clock if teams that's are reasonable. True. 10 but minutes is we, too long. Can we talk about yeah. that? It needs to be like five. <laughs> it's for the drama. Max. So they've signed to talk about. But yeah, what, if, what, if writes, a, what if there's a trade offer, Craig? Yeah. Also, that's, when the draft begins, we don't need to start another 10 minutes for Jacksonville. Like we should begin with the Jacksonville well, pick. You're aware that they actually tell, like good, the NFL actually asks the first team to wait. To wait. Like the, they know who they're taking. They actually ask the Jaguars build the, like, don't build turn it. in the yeah. card. Build the suspense. So like at least As five minutes. If there's minutes. not already suspense, like the, it's like took 25 minutes for us to find out the first pick. Just start with the pick. It's ridiculous. The other thing, by the way, just peek behind the curtain here. I was like hustling to finish eating because I was like, I'm going to be working for the next six hours, blah, blah, blah. Like I need to eat my dinner. Crap, it's 4.35, you know, Pacific time. It starts at five o'clock. And I'm just like, 
cramming fajitas down my boca and then uh, <laughs> get upstairs. I eat within like 10 minutes and I eat and I get upstairs and the fucking trap. Like, first of all, they take their sweet ass time, like 20 minutes before they even There's like start nine the songs they sing at the top now. It's insane. <laughs> it was like six o'clock before the freaking like I, yeah, the anthem, I, I did not yeah. need to eat that fast. It's a wretched event, the draft. Uh, DK, wretched. don't worry about it because I thought it started at seven. And I was telling Mayor, I was like, yo, oh like I was like, I we gotta like dinner, we gotta eat, we gotta go. And then yeah. I got up at seven and they were like That's tomorrow. Yeah. And they were like, Yeah, like Derek Stingley's pretty good, huh? Anyway, back to the commercial, more after this. And I was like, What? Like, What's going on? Yeah, yeah. So I am also dumb. I love That's the idea great. that Ben has studied like dozens, if not hundreds of players and put thousands of dollars on it and didn't know what time no, it started. No, I I I study the players and like this guy team could trade for that guy that team could trade for this guy and then we'll get to pick 21 i'm like oh the patriots have picked 21 that's cool <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i don't know i knew they were somewhere in the 20s well, well on that note speaking of not knowing i remember kept looking up at the board being like this team's picking there i'm like oh there was a trade so the lions traded up to take jameson williams craig is the one who said to me the lions are this is fun lions kind of fun the lions offense jameson williams amonra mm -hmm. st brown DJ Chark, you know, say what you will. DeAndre Swift, TJ Hawkinson, got Panay Sewell last year. Like, yeah. Say the quarterback's name. Well, it's your guy. This doesn't Not a bad me. core in Detroit. I will well, say. Yeah. Yeah. To sit there with, like, oh, our fourth round rookie receiver played out nicely. And, like, oh, like our, you know, we, we got DJ Chark in free agency. He was good there for a little bit before the injury. And then to be like, yeah, let's trade up 32 and 34 to 12 to get Jameson Williams. It's uh, a lot of moxie there. It's, that's Dan Campbell move, baby. That's 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 two giant espressos, whatever the heck it is he drinks, right? That is yeah. a aggressive move. We had everybody under the sun. Saints, Vikings, Eagles, Chiefs, I heard, was 29 and 30. They were trying All hard, trading yeah. up to go get Jameson Williams. And out of nowhere comes your second overall pick, nearly the worst team in the league, fourth place finisher in the NFC North Lions, being like, yes, we will take the injured speedster that we assumed was going to push a contending team over the edge. No, 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 no. We would like him. Oh, so uh, we're burying the lead here, which is that Solak actually broke the news that the Lions were taking James. <laughs> I Williams. did not break the news that the Lions were trading. That the Lions. You, so Solak actually, I believe actually beat Schefter, like Solak actually had this first, that Jameson Williams would be the pick, except instead of saying, let me, you know what, let, let's read the tweet. Where if we were playing the Ben Solak draft drinking game, we would have had to shotgun a beer after that. Oh, yeah. that was yeah. fucking so let's, classic. So let's pull up the exact tweet that Solak had. He tweets so much. I'm going to have to scroll and scroll and scroll. It was draft night. He tweets so, so much. I don't dig there. Per source, comma, the loins... L O I N S. <laughs> the loins have traded up to 12 overall for Alabama wide receiver oh James Williams. You had one chance, Solak. You get to break news at draft night and you got the this loins. This is better. This is arguably way better way of ben, doing it. Ben, Adam Schefter has never made a mistake in a tweet. How dare you? <laughs> I spent so long over the last couple of days working with everybody I know adjacent to the Detroit Lions. There's not that many people, but like I, I'm here in Michigan, so it's like a good team for me, trying to figure out Hutch versus Thibodeau. And then after the Hutch was picked, I texted everybody. I was like, thanks. Like, you know, like, talk to y'all 32. Like, stay in touch. Let me know if anything's going on. And then lo and behold, the Lions moved to 12. And I just get a text that just says, Jameson. And I responded Ooh. 100%. He responded 100%. And I was like, wow, what an opportunity for me. I'd never broken news before. This is really cool. And then I typed it and my hands were shaking. 
and I sent in a bunch of DMs yes. and I started to get retweets from like sizable accounts and I was like, I am the man. And then before anybody could point it out, I just looked at it and had that thought where I was like, something's wrong. And <laughs> it was the worst thing that could be That's wrong. That's the best. That's the best. Yes. The loins. It's a positive. It's the best when a, a typo spells something different and yes. it's like literally your loins. And I just, he, but the thing is, I busted out laughing because I know myself I, and I know who I am. I will never be a particularly professional individual and I'll never be an actual newsbreaker. I will forever and always be the guy who accidentally says loins instead of lions. And I am okay with that. <laughs> that is my lot in life. And I am uh. pleased that that is who I am. I like the loins. They, they got a nice little lineup here. A couple yeah. cool Dude, tweets. Ben, ben had a great night. The, the Eagles did well. He, he like freaking killed it in the betting market. He uh, broke news before Schefter. What else? What can't he you made do, up a ben? team? Yeah. yeah, not bad. The loins. I just want to say some people who quote tweeted Solex tweet about the loins said, "This motherfucker said loins." <laughs> This is elite <laughs> tweeting. You can't teach this. Yeah. Steven Ruiz. Steven nearly ratioed me with this motherfucker said loins in the in the responses. And I was like, don't you dare. Someone said uh, active loins this evening. <laughs> Someone said, please, Elon Musk, never add an edit button. Yep. <laughs> oh, my That's God. Good. Okay. Uh, fantastic. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. So that was kind of the receiver run. We also want to keep going a couple of words here. Which related? Yeah, this, to the I find it run. rude that you haven't asked me about my Seahawks. I talked about your guys' teams this whole time. Yeah, they took a lineman. We they, can move they're on. They're not Jerks. interesting. Ours are interesting. Jerks. All right. Fine. Yeah, we'll get Whatever. to it at the end when we have when no one cares anymore. The yeah. I want to <laughs> when we start receiver. talking about like some random bullshit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So the I want to give the Ravens the award of the friend who always just has good things fall in their lap. I swear to God, man, yeah, the, the, the fucking Baltimore Ravens, Ravens man. just find twenty dollar <laughs> bills on the ground. Left Unbelievable. <laughs> Like every draft, we <laughs> another thing we joked about, like the Packers taking a tackle and a linebacker had happened. We just joked, like the Ravens just just they take good football players. That's it. That's the yeah, whole strategy. Every year. Just take good players. Yeah. So Solak a month ago was like Kyle Hamilton, take him like number two. He's like the best player in the entire draft. <laughs> mm -hmm. The Ravens just sit there at 14, get Kyle Hamilton, and I assume I I want to hear what Solak says here, but I'm gonna go on a limb. Solak. This has to be the best possible landing spot for Kyle Hamilton to go to the Ravens and defensive quarter Mike McDonald, right? It's an incredible landing spot. Uh, and the thing was like a large part of the Kyle Hamilton argument was safeties are not a non-premium position. Safeties are not an avoid this in the top five, top 10. They historically have been, but in the NFL over the last few years, in terms of the growth of top contracts, it goes quarterback, tackle, edge, safety. Those are the positions that are ballooning right now. The league has figured out that they should be paying these guys. And you know who just paid a lot of money for a star safety is the Baltimore Ravens, right? They spent a $14 million per year. So it's uh, 70 over five on Marcus Williams, the safety from the Saints. The Saints couldn't pay. And Marcus Williams 
is a delightful safety off the roof. He is a single high, ton of range safety. And you would love to pair that that player with a guy who can live in the box and just do everything else, right? If you want to go and be able to live in a middle of the field, closed world, one deep safety, and then one problem solver, jack of all trades in the box, if, that, if you want to have that world, you need a Marcus Williams and you need a Kyle Hamilton who lands their line comp to Cam Chancellor, right? Who is the prototype box safety. So you have that and then... Kyle can do a little bit, dropping it into the middle of the field. He's done it in Notre Dame. And Williams can do a little bit, dropping down low. He did it with the New Orleans Saints. So you have the ability to become flexible and now go into this too high world. And so the mm. smart teams, in my opinion, are figuring out the safety's a premium position. And the Ravens tend to be those smart teams. They tend to be ahead of that curve. So you bring in McDonald, who's got college background, who used a player like Dax Hill, right, who went 31 to the Bengals as this versatile safety to nickel player to overhang, to blitz, to drop to deep half guy. And you give him Kyle Hamilton. You say... He already did all of it at Notre Dame. This is plug and chug. Hamilton is going to start plug and chug. this plug and chug, baby. This is he's going to start week one. He's going to be impact year one. And and if McDonald retains any level of the blitzing obsession that uh, Don Wink Martindale did, and remember McDonald used to be on Wink's staff. Yeah, Hamilton's going to be even better for that too. Because you know what makes the safety a really good blitzer when he's six foot four, two hundred and twenty pounds, baby. That's a whole edge rusher coming to you <laughs> uh, uh, from depth. That's God. really, really delightful. This is, I agree, the ideal landing spot for Kyle Hamilton. I was trying not to laugh the entire time because Craig just texted all of us a logo that someone in your mentions, I guess, worked up that says Detroit loins. And it's just a, a picture of like a giant tenderloin. <laughs> oh, that's good. Sorry. Nice cut of meat the there. Picture <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh that was an excellent I, explanation, though, and I apologize for being distracted during it. No, no my phone's off, DK, so I don't actually check my texts. So is well, it was on his computer. It came through on his computer. I checked, I don't checked shame my texts him. My computer, DK's really yeah. tapped in. All right, he's no, got to be online. Yeah. Know, uh, Listen, DK's team drafted a good offensive lineman, and he is looking at texts on his computer. All right, shout out Daniel Kelly. I, I want to go as long as possible on the Seahawks. No, while we're on the Ravens, they also they also get Tyler Linderbaum, who was kind of we all were like you know. So they got two, two so they, players way, who were the best at their position. Well, in this so draft. that's and Very then the after that they also trade Marquise Brown for a well, that first was for round that to the Cardinals. Yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So they trade Sorry. Marquise Brown to the Cardinals for a first round pick. They basically got they got Marquise Brown. They got the three of the four cheap years of Marquise mm -hmm. Brown's deal. Then they trade him away for a pick higher than the pick they used originally to select Marquise Brown in the first place. And then they spin that pick into Tyler Linderbaum to be their center. This is an unbelievable draft for the Ravens. I I, I, I don't know if there's... They think, traded back, too, by the way. And they, they traded up back like a, again. They, they picked up a couple extra like mid-rounders, too. Arizona traded the 23rd pick and the 100th pick for Marquise Brown, and the Eagles gave away the 18th and the 101st for A.J. Brown. It's pretty much the same so price. It's unbelievable. So I, I, yeah, the Ravens yeah. are good. Just one we, receiver we know is well. a lot better than the other one. <laughs> yeah, <Burns. dude. laughs> what the hell clear, are the yeah. Cardinals doing? <laughs> okay. Well, it's very, I it's very like easy. It for, I like it's it for very, the Cardinals. Yeah. It's very easy to explain. Here's how the Cardinals work. Is he fast? <laughs> yeah. He's on our team. And that's why the Cardinals did it. And they were teammates. And everybody loves to do that now. It's just fun to put quarterbacks with roommates. their teammates. Can I give you my theory? Of the Arizona Cardinals. I just gave sure. you a theory. Are they can fast? I give, can I give something that works with that? All right, go for it. So, Steve Kime is the GM of the Cardinals. 
and it's like the 2018 draft. They take Josh Rosen, and then they go in that year, and they have like the worst year ever. And Steve Kime's like going to get fired, and it's like Ozark. Ozark's coming back. Remember the first like three minutes of Ozark when it's like Jason Bateman's going to get killed for like screwing over this drug lord, and he mm-hmm. just sees a pamphlet that says Ozark, and he's like, uh, 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 more coastline than the state of California. And he's like, what? He's like, uh, Ozarks. I'll, I'll, I'll make more money for you in the Ozarks. And he's like, oh, okay. And he saves his life. But now he saves his life. But now Jason Bateman has to go to the Ozarks and make that happen. I feel like Steve Kime was going to get fired for taking Josh Rosen. And they're like, you're done. And he's like, I'll, I'll fix it. And they're like, how? He's like, uh, 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 Kyler Murray. And they just take <laughs> Kyler Murray. And he's like, well, how's that going to work? He's like, uh, uh, Cliff Kingsbury. And they just bring these guys in. And then Kime just has to make this work. But there's no plan. They're just throwing things at the wall. Like AJ They're just Green, living to see tomorrow. Old guys. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, that's really it. That's really, it's so bizarre to see this team make these moves. I, 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 it's exactly what you just said. Like the 23rd pick for Marquise Brown, 18th for AJ Brown. Like what? I don't know. I, I right. it doesn't. Well, the, 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 the one main difference is Marquise Brown has an extra year on his contract, right? And AJ Brown, uh, yeah, but, but he's again, one mil. year can pick up the fifth year option. But I mean, I'm not saying yeah. I'm not saying. Look, I'm not telling you that I think the Cardinals had a better deal than the AJ Brown deal. But I think like <laughs> right. if you look at them separately, I don't hate the I don't hate the Marquise yeah. Brown deal. Well, I guess here's my question: Is Marquise Brown actually underrated? Because maybe Lamar is an even worse passer than maybe his. Like, is there a world where Mar- L- Lamar actually was holding Marquise Brown back, and that a year from now we're like, wow, Marquise Brown's actually really good, and Just Marquise Brown's awesome. Not a great in Baltimore. Not Lamar. Maybe Greg Roman. I yeah, could I could be talking to that to a degree, right? The offensive coordinator for the Ravens, just because I really don't like the way they get into their passing game. But to me, and I've I've been this way with with Marquise with Hollywood Brown since he came out since he was drafted. I just do not see a complete player. Uh, I love having mm. a paramount trait, and 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 it was used well in my opinion in Baltimore, and it'll be used well in Arizona, where they're also a really vertical passing offense. And they're going to get him free releases off the line of scrimmage. But it's so funny to me that this team, who in the first year of Cliff Kingsbury spent a second round pick on Andy Isabella, a small, thin, <laughs> short, fast from UMass who could only run down the field, never had him be successful. Then three years later, I think traded for Marquise Brown and then immediately put Andy Isabella on the block in a little bit of like, uh, wow, you really didn't learn your lesson here, did you? Like, oh, sweet, we got Marquise also, Brown. Let's Rondale. put Isabella on the block. Yeah. You forgot they about have Rondale. Rondale. And now Rondale's a little <laughs> bit more dense. He's a little bit more like yards after the catch guy. But Marquise Brown is a speedster. He is a field stretcher. They're going to use him to be vertical. And that is a understandable and important role for this team. However... There are a lot of receivers who can run sub 4-4 and who can get off the line of scrimmage. Like, again, receiver has just ballooned in terms of, of, of the volume of guys. Go ahead and draft, you know, uh, 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 what, DK, what's the name of the Baylor kid? Type 1 Thornhill, type mm-hmm. 1 Thornhill. Yep. Yeah, yep, Thornhill, yep. I think it is. Uh, you know, go and get your speedster. Like, again, every year, round four, go just draft the 4-4 guy. Draft the 4-4 guy. Eventually, you're going to get one who hits. And you don't need to go trading a first-round pick to then pay a guy. Because that's the other thing. What does Marquise Brown do better than Christian Kirk besides fast? Well, what about Marquise Brown and, and Kyler played together in Oklahoma? We didn't even really, I mean, yeah, is there which, any credence to the fact that... It's nice. Like, it it certainly helps Kyler, right? Like, it helps Kyler feel better. They've kind of been on the rocks. That's nice. But to me, you're getting one to one and a half cheaper years of Brown because the, the, the second year would be the fifth year option. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to give him an extension, 
it's probably at that time going to be $20 million, which is what Christian Kirk got. So why I don't understand why you don't just pay Kirk, who's good and does multiple things well and could also stretch the field for you, was a good vertical receiver last year. To me, this is just, I see a shiny, fast receiver that played with Kyler Murray and like you very well put it, Heifetz, Let's just live live for tomorrow, right? Go on the edge. Go get him. And, and it is not a long-term or responsible team-building approach. The Cardinals continue to feel like a house of cards to me. Pun intended. Oh, nice. look at good one. More Netflix TV references. I think I... So, look, I actually agree with most of that. I do still think he's going to be super productive, though. Phoenix for, Brown. For what it's worth. Yeah. I think the of, argument to me snaps, is that he's just better and that the Ravens haven't really, like, run an offense that... They were using him like Jarvis play. Landry for like the last eight weeks last year. I mean, he was putting up like eight catch, 60 yard performances. It that was, was with Huntley, weird. right? Yeah. It's like the NFL I mean, yeah. version of, all right, we'll talk about the Seahawks in true. a second, DK. It's like the NFL version of like, is Charles Cross a run defender? As a, or Sorry, a run blocker? Well, I don't know because he had the most pass block snaps. It's like, is Marquise Brown a great receiver? I don't know. They pass less than any team. Like that's the only daylight I can see here, but that's being generous. But with that said. This is also great for Bateman, by the way. Rashad Bateman season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Excited with that about said, that. Yeah. DK, I'm literally trying to talk about the Seahawks and you're pivoting away. Do you want to talk about <laughs> Rashad Bateman instead? For Christ's sake, we can talk about the Seahawks now. All right, let's do. All right, the Seahawks Stop took Charles Cross me. at number nine. How do you feel? Yeah, I feel great about it. Uh, I was very scared, frankly, <laughs> coming into the draft that they were going to just reach and take Trevor Penning, who I just don't really see as a first round uh, tackle. And so I was very excited. I basically had poo pooed the idea because I'd seen Charles Cross connected to the Seahawks in a lot of mock drafts with very well plugged in people, and I was always kind of like. Ah, I just don't think the Seahawks will take him because he had been playing, uh, you know, in in this Mike Leach offense at, for Mississippi State, uh, where they have like a little bit wider splits. It's like not quite as dramatic as it used to be, but um, wider splits. He was pass blocking almost all the time. In fact, he had like I don't know twelve hundred something pass block snaps this last year. So he was like getting his reps in as a pass blocker, which is great. And I think he's the best pass blocking tackle in this class. And um, I almost put him above Evan Neal for that reason. But the reason I was a little bit hesitant to do that is because he just isn't as well-rounded of a profile. He doesn't have as much experience run blocking. Um, I think the times that he he was asked to run block, he like flashed and he looked pretty good at it. But like bottom line, he wasn't like this mauling run blocker type guy. And that's why I thought the CX would kind of just be like, no, this isn't for us. We want to be a balanced team. So I'm very grateful they kind of, in at least in my opinion, um, went off brand with this pick. Um, he's a former five-star guy. He has great length. He's a very good athlete, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like him, and I know some people have him as the OT1. I think PFF had him as the first tackle. Um, I know Nate Tice had him as the first tackle. So I'm extremely excited about this. Like, the CX got a left tackle, and, you know, that's really exciting. And they didn't do that thing, what I was really afraid they were going to do, which is take an old, small-school senior ball guy. Cole Strange. Yeah, they, they didn't go full strange U-T- this year, which is great. He said Cole Strange, not full strange. Oh, they didn't go full you strange. Never go either. full strange, never go Cole Strange. <laughs> it's all one and the same. Okay. Once the Seahawks made a regular responsible pick at nine, I knew the teens were about to get really fucking well, weird. Hey, that was Solak's <laughs> one of Solak's best takes is that in a year in a, a year of chaos, the chaotic team will be normal. And that yes. ended up happening. And the Seahawks were like, wow, good a good left tackle that we need. Let us select him. And then the Saints were like, we're trading <laughs> up to 11. We got to get this thing started. Seahawks yeah. are making good picks. Somebody's got to do something. 
Dude, it was, and, I, and I was starting to sweat a little bit because like the board did not set up well for the Seahawks. Like er, early on, it was like all the tackles and all the good corners went. Or sorry, all yeah, all the edge rushers, all the good corners went off the board. So Cross was probably the last guy in a mat, and then after him was like a massive, massive like cliff. So if if they hadn't gotten Cross, I think they would have traded back for sure. Okay, we've talked about a lot. I want from each of you. Age before beauty will go DK first. Your favorite pick from this round, not not including your own team. Like who who won this? Who won this round? That's basically? an excellent question. Excellent question. Let me look through here real quick. Um, I can go. Then, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, beauty before age. Yeah. In terms of like, so we've, we've mentioned a lot of picks. I thought Kyle Hamilton was a tremendous pick. I uh, loved the Jamison Williams trade up. Yada yada, whatever. But in terms of ones we haven't talked about, uh, Kyrie Elam to the Bills at twenty three is really important for two, probably three drafts. The Bills have needed to take take a running mate for uh, Tredavious White, their corner one. Their scheme does a good job hiding corners. I respect that. Their safeties do a ton of work. Awesome. But eventually, you just have to get a guy. So that way, if he hits on third and eight, you can say, you know what? We can play man and survive. That's just something you need it for the playoffs. There are too many good receivers. Finally, they bit the bullet. And they took Kyrie Elam off of the Tredavious White injury, which I think did matter to them a little bit and letting them know like, hey, we got some fragility at corner we got to get ready for. Elon was a player I had around one grade on. He was my corner three. Loved him a lot. He can play press man, but he's long enough, quick enough, smart enough to play base zone, which is what the Bills want to do. And I think he, he can be a year one starter. I think there'll be lumps early, but I think by week nine, week 10, he'll be a guy you trust in the playoffs. So the Bills have long needed that corner too. They've long needed that big investment at corner. I've been looking forward to them making it for a long, long time. And they took one of my guys in Kyrie Elam at 23. Very excited about that pick. Yeah, I think that's a great one. Um, that would have been near the top of my list. It, not to be totally boring, but Evan Neal to the Giants like just makes so much freaking <laughs> sense to me. Um, because, and if you look at it from like a team building point of view, like they need to do everything that they can do to surround Daniel Jones with good players, get him a little bit more protection. Uh, massive, massive problem, by the way, for Daniel Jones has been fumbles, and a lot of that is because the the pocket just crumbles and guys are hitting him from the blind side and like forced like hitting the ball out like a lot of times you know not to like just make excuses for Daniel Jones but like a lot of those cases it's not really his fault he's just getting like crushed in the pocket um so I think that's like a massive massive deal I think Evan Neal has a, a really high floor he's multiple um he has the ability to play multiple positions if they need him to I don't know did they have you listened to their presser yet are they planning on playing him at left tackle do you know I assume that he'll, he'll be at right tackles so I have yeah. not listened to the press conference I would be Regardless, surprised like, if they yeah he, he was so I I thought that was a great one. And then I don't know why, but like it was very satisfying when the Texans took Stingley. I thought like the Stingley narrative was pretty annoying the last like two months or something like that. Like, you know, oh, he's going to drop into the teens, blah, blah, blah. He's got, he wasn't very good the last two years. He's injury. Like he doesn't love ball, like all this stuff. Like this is similar to what we were hearing with like Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, and I, I mentioned this, I think on our, uh, on our take purchase the other day, I was just like, and at the end of the day, like Thibodeau and Stingley are just going to be like the two best players in this class. So it was like cool. It, yep. it felt good to see that like the NFL, it was more, it, it felt like it was much more just like a smoke screen and teams are hoping that the, he would fall to them. I think he's an elite, he's going to be an elite player. So um, Stingley to the Texans makes a lot of sense for, for, for what they're trying to do, what they're trying to build. And I know Levy Smith came out like a couple of weeks ago last week or whatever, and was like, we can't play without good corners. And so like, it just was a, it was a natural fit for them. I think he's a really good player. And I don't know, for whatever reason, I just really, that one resonated with me. Do you want to know mine? I do. I like Strange out of Nuga. 
Um, <laughs> New guy. If you watch this tape against Virginia <laughs> Military Institute, it was a close loss uh, to VMI. VMI. Close loss uh, to VMI. He really showed some good traits. Really knows Jesus how to get down God. in the mud. Uh, what's, the, what's, what's the VMI mascot? It's something really ridiculous. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Uh, What's Chattanooga? Uh, Richmond actually uh, plays VMI. I don't even know. Uh, it's it's Mo the Kangaroo. Yes, it's Mo the it's Mo the Roo. Yes, it is VMI Moo. Kangaroo. What for Virginia Military Institute? They have yep. a kangaroo <laughs> for uh, a military school. Yeah. Uh, the Chattanooga mascot is like the uh, his name is uh, the Scrappy Mock. Yeah, they're the mocks. I don't know what a mock is, but I know uh, they're the mocks. Um, all we do is mocks on this show. So like, well, yeah, I think yeah. I believe it used to be. I believe it used to be the moccasins, and then they changed it to the mocks to uh, be oh. more culturally sensitive. So, but what what was the military hmm. institute one? Uh, kangaroos, Mo Australia. <laughs> wow, full circle. There we go. Full circle. By the way, today. if you guys missed our green room, sorry, our Spotify live from this morning. We we had another. We fine made an Australian talk to us for ten minutes. Yeah, we just had him speak. We like, the draft like, okay, was in forty five minutes. Say this yeah, word now. Like we're nine. Say Kevin Thibodeau. I you guys gave winners. I want to say other uh, winner for me other than us having the Australian guy speak, and it was just great. Shout out to that dude. Uh, I was going to give a loser. I know we joked about it at the top. The Packers. Oh my god! I this team <laughs> I, I, a front office just with the pressure. Listen. Listen, I will base. say, it the board did not fall well for them getting a, a receiver. I fully believe they traded up to go. They tried to trade up to go get one, and I fully believe they would have taken one of the top six if they were there at twenty two. It just did not come to them, I, and look, that sucks. All their good receivers have been in the second round, but it's just I can't remember a team that had like this draft joke about them that leaned into it as much as the Packers. That's all. Uh, big picture. I feel like we all were like, these quarterbacks suck. No one should reach for them. No one did. And I yeah. think the overarching yeah. feeling today is like, all these teams actually really seem to, I don't want to say stick to their board, but like made generally good decisions. Is that fair? Is that is that a fair takeaway yeah. from the day? I think that, yeah, that's like one of the overarching themes, the motif from round one was for the most part, I honestly did feel like teams had good process in this draft, you know, cause I'm like, I'm taking, I'm going from a point of view where I'm trying to like grade these teams on their process and like the picks. Most of the teams pick guys that I had ranked in the top 32. So like, am I going to give them bad like grade for taking a player? I like, why would I do that? I really actually liked the process for most of these teams. So um, I think that was like kind of the, one of the main takeaways. I was actually bitching about it to you guys early on. I'm like, we need teams to do stupid shit. Like, come on, bring it, bring in the get, go full strange. If you will. Boom. All right, so like, what's your motif? And then we're gonna get out of here. I think that I think the 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 shift in wide receiver management and valuation over the last four months is gonna be tough to overstate. I think it's gonna continue to matter for years to come. We saw more receivers move in terms of significant players over this offseason than like any other position that I can remember, including quarterback over the last few years. And there's no way Jahan Dotson out of Penn State is a good player who I like is a top 16, top half of the first round pick uh, without some of these veteran wide receiver moves. I think this wide receiver uh, position is going to get really polarized between the top guys being tippy tippy top and then the draft guys all filling out the spots in between. And it's going to be a weird, weird, weird world for like middle class receivers over the next three years in the free agent market and the trade market and what have you. And so wide receiver, that run in the top 18 to me, uh, I, I knew we knew it could come. Like DJ was talking about four in the top 11. 
uh, leading up to this draft. But man, when, when the, the commanders made Dehan Dawson the 16th pick, I was like, wow, we have reached a new level of wide receiver investment in the NFL. I completely agree. Okay. I think that's a good note to end on. So we're going to be, well, not we, I met a wedding this weekend, which as uh, <laughs> Craig made fun of me for the other day. So no, I didn't make fun of you for having a wedding. I made fun oh, of you for saying for well, I'm not getting the best, the best man. Well, I said I'm the best man at the wedding to clarify that I'm not just at a, a fringe wedding. Like I, I, right. it's a it's a core wedding. That's perfectly all. reasonable. That's so right. I'm missing the next two episodes of this trap of this pod for a core wedding. So it will be the three of you guys. So Craig, why don't you freaking explain the schedule? You guys explain. I don't even know what's going on. Yeah, just like we did tonight. We're coming at you after rounds two and three tomorrow. Uh, to react to those, and then we'll be coming to you Saturday after the draft concludes in the afternoon to kind of recap everything. And then our final draft show will be late Monday, early Tuesday, uh, and we will bid farewell to Ben. Sad day. Aw, no, I didn't temporary. forgot about that. It's temporary. Temporary. Yeah, we'll be back. We'll be back. We'll be. At, we'll, we'll all get together. We'll go to Nuga's first game next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, bring me on. Nuga bring Mercer, on a, Nuga VMI. Craig's what do you think Chet, homecoming Nuga will be? bits on this pod have been absolutely delightful. Nuga just, absolutely <laughs> laid the hammer on Sanford this year. <laughs> yeah, Sanford had a rough year. Uh, uh, yeah, bring me on a fantasy show at some point next year, and I'll just randomly give takes with oh, you know, no fantasy background. We will for sure. Give the people what they want. All right. Thank you. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Solak. Thank you, Craig. Thank you. I mean, thank you, Chattanooga. Craig, what else can we say? I, I can't stop laughing about Nuga. <laughs> Nuga? Craig's just dying. Well, what, was, what, yeah, what was it? What was it Craig said earlier when he was like, yeah, so good work. Good job. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm like punch drunk. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm so tired that it's just... <laughs> Remember that time the pictures took a guy. Craig just keeps Dude, naming right. Chattanooga opponents. Oh, what did dying. what did Craig say earlier in the episode? I can't remember what it was, but it was so funny. Uh, the taking the driver's license. <sighs> no, it was it was. He said like, "Oh, this guy did that." So good job. <laughs> just third string FCS. Yeah, it was Cole Strange. It was third team FCS offensive lineman. So good job. <laughs> oh, fuck. That's tough sledding over there at Nuga. <laughs> I'm Why actually did they score more than six against Mercer? He's not a winner. He doesn't compete. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, we didn't thank Lauren. Thank Thanks, you, Lauren. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got a shout out. Mariah Carey and Tom nice. Tom Club. Yes. Who, apparently, both of the, the NFL Network was using both of them. All oh, my God. Not, I, I don't know if it was Mariah Carey, but they were playing Tom Tom Club over and over. It's like their intro outro music. Bizarre. Oh, it's amazing. What are the odds of that? Someone yeah. told me that Mariah Carey's fantasy came on and it was like the person was triggered because it was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I was, can we talk about that for a second? What the fuck are the odds that both Fantasy by Mariah Carey and Top know, Top right? Club can play during the draft? The only two songs we talk about all the time. So it turns out there is somebody who can negotiate with Mariah Carey's agent, and it's the damn NFL. <laughs> the and NFL. We Roger Goodell. Yeah. Well, I think they pay her more than what we're willing to offer. That's probably right. Yeah. <laughs> no, no good on stage moments besides Derek Carr's haircut plus facial hair situation. True. No really uh, good on stage moments. Ice Cube like guy. obliterated yeah. the microphone. Yeah. Oh, it was that good what when, happened? That was it like was good when, introducing yeah. the pod. Yeah. 
when Roger Goodell was like, yo, do you guys know Ice Cube? Like, Ice Cube, come up here. He called him like, Cube. And I yeah. was like, they really tried to make this seem like an impromptu thing. And yeah. I was like, there's yeah. no way Goodell is spotting Ice Cube and going, yo, Cube, hop on up here, yeah. big guy. Do y'all know Ice Cube? And the entirety <laughs> of Las Vegas was like, yeah, man. We've heard of him. Yeah. We know Ice, Ice Cube a little better than you, actually. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was a, a metaphor that Derek Carr gets to step to the podium with the mic in Las Vegas and the mic doesn't work. <laughs> I that thought that funny. was like, felt like an omen. Like two on the nose, maybe? Oh, also, uh, Roger Goodell is the, is the best dapper in his 60s in the world. Oh, wow. <laughs> no Practice one in his 60s. Yes. Yes. This is a great way of framing it. Is Roger Goodell a particularly good dapper? No. Does he know what he is doing for a 60-year-old white man? Yes. He's got a Passing down. grade. Yes. <laughs> uh, he gets a C. Who yeah. was it who picked him all the way up? Like a little, like a little girl, like a little just baby, just like a small child boy. Somebody <laughs> like him cradled. fully lifted him. It was great. I think it was I will Devin say, Lloyd. I thought the most enthusiastic dap. I thought Jermaine Johnson, like you always think those guys are resentful. The reality is when you sit in the green room so long, like Jermaine Johnson came up and was just so happy. That was very pure. It was Devin Lloyd. Uh, it was. And Roger Goodell's got his knees bent like he's asking to be swung around, man. He wants he wants to do twisties. <laughs> Goodell a had a time. knee bent? What's that? Oh, wow. I still yeah, think we never investigated whether Goodell really pulled. I was thinking about this because Goodell's dap people, these guys, they're squeezing them. They're like professional, you know, guys who crush people. And Goodell's never gotten hurt. And then the home draft is where we think he pulled a muscle. He threw his, his back, back out 100%. He threw his back yeah. out the year he didn't yeah. have to take hugs from 400 pound guys. He was sitting like you can't, he was sitting like only a person who's thrown their back out can sit. Listen, I'm 27 and I can't stand for three hours. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I get it. Not easy. Yeah. I feel that way as I'm well. I'm sure those loafers he had on had no padding, no support. <laughs> he needs some hokas. You love hokas. You've been on the hoka thing the whole That's pandemic. Like a thing I, I just got now. a pair to run in and they're great. Your parents oh, you got like the hokas. I hate it. I do. Really? Oh, I looked up like best running shoes of 2022 and they were like the third yeah, option. They're highly rated, but I, I have to go with minimal support because I, I have bad ankles that I'm that I'm working on. This is a total aside, but Hoka's <laughs> are very nice if you need them. Yeah, a lot of good cushion. If The second I went back, I like tried on my old Nike running shoe and I was like, wow, yeah. I feel like I'm running Big in difference. sandals. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, get Goodell some Hoka's. Uh, <laughs> get us the NFL's negotiators so we can play Mar Mariah Carey music. I think that's the narrative. I don't really know the Mariah Carey bit. I think it's Or, or Spotify just needs to like grant us a lot of yeah. money to offer Mariah Carey yes. perhaps. Yeah. I just found out Jim McMahon follows me on Twitter. <laughs> he, he did a big follow blitz, Jim McMahon. He was like, let's follow all the NFL writers. That's incredible. Yeah, I was going to end the pod. I don't even know if this is going in, but I was going to say goodbye. Oh, I'm not cutting any of this. Like, it's late. Jim yeah, McMahon. Yeah. It's a draft pod. It, it can go for two hours. Who cares? Yeah, people Jim this, McMahon goes, nah. it follows me on Twitter. People in the Wait. Spotify Live today were like, why don't you guys ever just post all the banter that you do at the end? And I'm like, this is it. The hardest yeah. the Snyder ever cut. made me laugh. Solek. The hardest DK's ever made me laugh was the take purge last year. He's like, he just starts the take purge like minute two. And he's like, Zach Wilson is kids bop, Jim McMahon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's One not of my test. That's Derek Tom Klassen, Tavern. by the yeah, way. That yeah, that was classic. Um, but yeah, what was I going to say? Yeah, who knows? Oh, I remember. 
Uh, yeah, big draft fans are going to see this pod in their feeds be like, yo, an hour 30 on the first round sick. And they're going to get to like hour and 10. And we'll be like, all right, bye, everybody. And they're like, what's the Nuga. next 20 minutes? They're going to be to and minute 25. <laughs> we'll be and talking about Chattanooga. Ho- they're just hoping that me or DK is like, yo, it was a good pick. Like Dax Hill to the Bengals at 31. I think that's high impact. Jesse Bates gets to play the roof. There, that's your nugget for all the real draft fans <laughs> who stuck long enough. There's a little Dax Hill analysis for you. Uh, now back to your regularly scheduled programming. Uh, it's good stuff. You guys. want to talk about Lewis C to the Vikings? Good pick. It makes sense. Yeah. Wait. Oh, you know what? We've come this far. Let's just go through. Let's let's actually let's actually do some football here. No, we're, we're not play. going back. No. <laughs> what are we talking about? Pod part two. <laughs> we're gonna do good football player. Yes or no? For the guys who to talk, Kenyon Hit Green, me. good football player. Uh, Texas no. took him. No. Okay. Uh, Zion Johnson, the Chargers, good football yes. player. Yes. Yes. Trevor Petting to the Saints, good football player? No. Kenny Pickett to the Steelers, good football no. player? Trent McDuffie to the Chiefs, good football player? No. Quay yes. Walker to the Packers, good football player? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Kyrie Elon to the Bills, good football yes. player? Yes. Totally. Tyler Smith to the Cowboys, good football player? Yes. 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 Devin Lloyd to the Jaguars, good football player? No. Oh, really? That's so, yeah, he's such sad. a good guy. Okay. Cole Street, Cole Street. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> Our boy. Cole Street. I'm, the yeah. ironic thing is, yes, he's a good football player. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to follow him know. for his career. He actually Cole is good. Tough loss to Austin P.A. last year. <laughs> Austin, <laughs> it's just Austin P. P? It's not P.A.? It's pronounced okay. P. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> tough 30 to 20 loss there <laughs> oh boy okay i think we gotta go all right that's all we got um thank you honestly from the bottom of my heart if anyone has made it to this far in the pod and listened to it i hope you have enjoyed Listening, if this is your first episode or you've been with this in the beginning, I hope you have enjoyed this as much as we have. These three are going to get you for the next couple of round, days of the draft. We'll do a fun thing next week, but this has been so much fun. Um, and then, yeah, we got more. Solak, it's been awesome having you. I know we're going to do that episode, but I just want to say it. Uh, thank you, everyone, for making it this far. Uh, goodbye, I'm so everyone. proud of Solak. Solak had the best day ever. He had the best day of his life, maybe. Well, no, I'm second loving, best day. I'm he, loving he got married. excitement. Yeah. Honestly, oh, uh, I, this is just me talking to Solek, though. Like, just actual question. Do you think that the Giants now kind of have to take a cornerback now that A.J. Brown is on the Eagles? It hasn't really hit me yet, but they kind of have to take a cornerback because they don't have anyone to guard A.J. Brown. Uh, I mean, trade James Bradbury. Yeah. Yes and no. Uh, there's always the whole, like, we don't trade James Bradbury thing, which, like, James Bradbury is quite good. Like, I'd, I'd be com- comfortable paying him the money you're paying him now to play him. It's just obviously that's not the direction that Bradbury or the team really wants to go. We'll see. Kyler Gordon is, to me, you know, a really good option. Booth is a one-contract player, but also really talented. So I'm I'm fine with the corner pick at 36. That makes a lot of sense to me. Ben, I have a question. Do the Steelers have to take Desmond Ritter now because their only <laughs> quarterbacks are Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think so, too. I, I'm going to bed whether or not this podcast going keeps going. Yeah, I know. Okay. All right. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.